Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Today is Monday, September 4th, and I have a really special person on the podcast with me today. Many of you have been following the story of my nephew, Bobby Asa, who was injured in an accident on June 26th. And today, Labor Day, I'm going to take some time to talk to my sister, Heather, about what God has been doing in the life of this family in the 10 weeks since Bobby's accident. I know many of you have been waiting for this for a long time, so stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. You're on my podcast. Hello, hello. It's my sister. <laughs> this is so exciting. Good stuff. I've wanted to have you on my podcast for a long time. Not Maybe not for this reason, but I'm glad that you're here. Okay. Well, you know what? Things happen for every reasons. That's right. Okay. So I'm going to, I want you to, um, I'm going to walk you through a couple things. First of all, I love it. Just tell people a little bit about yourself. So you have how many children? Four children. Um, oldest is almost 22 19, 17, and then the youngest just turned 15. So a moment of silence for having teenagers in your house. <laughs> right, yeah. I think we need a longer moment. Yeah, we need a longer moment. Yeah, there's never going to be enough time. No, never. So you and I grew up in the same house, pretty much. Yeah. Right? And there's a bunch of us. So for those of you who aren't familiar with, with me and my sisters, there's a whole bunch of sisters, six of us, right, to be exact. And we our names all start with H. And I get to be the oldest. Yeah. My claim to fame. Yeah, I'm not far from you. No, you're not. So Heather's the second one down. So all of us are H's because everybody's going to ask. So Heidi, Heather, Holly, Haley, Hope, Hillary. And then a brother, Aaron, who I don't know how he got not in the H thing, but we can't really call Karen. him Aaron. It doesn't no, work. Yeah. Harry. No, it doesn't work. Actually, I think Holly was named after Aaron's like fourth grade girlfriend. I'm pretty sure that's how that went down. It might have. I don't. And then after that, our parents were like, ago. we have a Heidi, a Heather, and a Holly. And then it was on purpose. Right. After that. Right. Then they're like, we better stick with this. Yeah. We, yeah. It's a thing. We got to stick with it. All right. So you have, uh, you and I have been, you know, we've been walking this road, this life thing together for a long time, but something happened on the night of June 26th that pretty much rocked everybody's, everybody's world to the core. And everybody's been following this for a long time. So I'm gonna, we're going to just take, we're going to go back. I want to go back. I don't actually want to, but I'm going to. Let's go back. <laughs> yeah, I, say, I don't think I want to go back In either. theory, let's just walk it back. Let's actually not go back. But that night, where were you when you got that the phone call that Bobby had been in an accident? So I was at my friend's house, and I left my girls for a little bit. So I was going out to dinner, going to a friend's house. And on my way there, I passed this car, the, and it had a license plate that said, Intubate MD. And what? I'm like... I'm like, oh, that's the coolest doctor ever. He in, like he saves people's he lives. Saves people's lives. That's yeah. the first. I call my oldest daughter who lives in my house, and I'm like, Laurel, I just has this intubate MD doc. You've got to be kidding because we like anything medical. So she's that's like, right. yes. She's like, follow him. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> so I just thought, oh, that's really cool. And less than two hours later, Bobby was intubated. When I got the phone call from my second oldest, Lexi. And she's like, hey, Bobby's been hit in the driveway. you got to come. So my kids have gotten in a habit, a bad habit. of Anytime anything happens, call mom. That's everybody's. That's every kid's habit. And I'm like. What do you do when things bad happen? I'm like. You I'm call like, mom. I'm like, don't call me. Call the police. <laughs> you know, I'm constantly saying that. So yeah. the first thing I said was, please tell me you called the police. And she's like, yeah, but they're not here. And I don't know what you're doing. I'm like, okay, well, I'm 45 minutes from Bobby's home. So I'm like, I'm getting my car. I'll be there. And then I called my oldest daughter, who normally doesn't pick up the phone. And she's like, I just happened to have my ringer on. I'm like, get to the hospital. And she's like, what? So she grabbed my youngest. 
And we all kind of, we, at first we started going in Bobby's direction, and then mm-hmm. I realized that... He's going to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Lexi's like, she's like, he's not breathing. Something's not right. I can't... They couldn't tell. By the way he was positioned in the car, they thought he had, like, fallen asleep. But because he was making weird, like, snoring noises, really what they said, but he had collapsed his lungs, so that's... They were hearing air sleeping out of his lungs. Yeah. yeah. So Lexi's like, oh, it doesn't look good. And I said, I, I didn't think I'd make it, so I figured I would be best just to go to the hospital and not... Yeah. You know, I was afraid I'd pass him in passing and not be And so what you didn't know at the time was really how badly he had been injured. No. So they, so there are paramedics working on him. Right. Well, because physically he looked good. Yeah. He doesn't have, doesn't have any scratches. He didn't, I mean, he, he was, looked like he was sitting in the backseat of the car snoring is what the kids described it as. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't see it, so I can't. Right. You know, I'm not, you know. But that, that's an image that's that Lexi it. won't ever get out of her head. No, definitely an image she won't get out of her head. And I don't. Not even image. I don't think I'd, I'm glad I wasn't there. Yeah. I think that would have been hard for me to see that. Yeah. You know, yeah. just in general with any kid, it would have been hard to see. So he was backing into his driveway. Back in his driveway, like he's been taught when you get to the, because he has a lot of cars in his driveway. So like back in, it's easier to get out because it's busier during the day. So you mm-hmm. back in so you can get out. You don't have any accidents coming out of your driveway. So when he was backing in, he was actually looking behind the seats and you turn your shoulder and you look mm-hmm. and that's what he was doing. And so he was, he and didn't he would see say, it. He was, he didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming. He was he, clearly, by the way that he flew between the seats, had hit his head on the roof, broke his neck there, hit his head on the back windshield, and then the back area of the car, and then he just slumped forward because his neck was broken, broken by then. So then he was right. just sitting forward, right. and he had bruising all up and down his shins from the steering wheel when it drug him out of the car into the back seat. Mm. Um, but you know he was going. I mean, the kid was going mm, 55, 60 miles an hour with no skid marks. So just plowed right into. Just him. plowed right into him. He just didn't. Yeah. You know. And he also, right, the, he had an, an artery up the back of his neck. The back of his neck was severed. 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 So you've got two in the front and two in the back, and the one in the back was completely severed. And the doctor said that the, when it snapped, that the two flaps of skin on each part of it closed it up because he should have bled to death. That's crazy. And so you, if you look at his scans now, you see blood going up, and then you see it, a gap, and then you see blood going to his brain. So he still has blood flow to his brain from this artery where there's nothing in between. I mean, and even the doctors are like, that's... That doesn't make doesn't, any sense. Yeah. But they're not going to stent it. They weren't going to do anything. They said it, it healed itself instantly. It just closed up on him. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So That's amazing. The paramedics that working on Bobby were struggling in the beginning. So the firefighter who had been like a 30-year veteran, he mm-hmm. rode with Bobby to the hospital because he didn't think he'd make it. He's like, I think that they need more help. So he physically, you know, firemen usually don't go with them to the right. hospital. But in a situation where they feel like it's needed, then they do so. That fireman we've met a few times and just super sweet person. But, wow. yeah, I mean, they just... He, it gives you a whole new respect for what they do for the paramedics. Yeah, and the help that they do. Right, they're not just firemen. I mean, they mm-hmm. do a lot of things. So they really... That that made a difference in getting Bobby. Because by the time Bobby got to the hospital, it had been probably 45 minutes to an hour before he even got there. They were really slow in coming. And I was... I didn't know that would make any sense to me. But I guess the reason why they were slow is because they were working on him. Yeah. And they didn't want it... You know, they didn't want to destabilize the, him. Yeah, right. They were, they were doing a lot of things to him. Then he gets to the hospital, and they still to stabilize him worked another hour. So by that time, so you get to the hospital. I'm there because I talked to you on the phone. I remembered, and you said, "I don't know. We didn't really know what was happening." Well, but I wasn't you know sure what? if anybody should come. I'm well, like, we're it's, like it's just, sisters, right? It's his I mean, driveway. I couldn't. It, I just didn't possibly think it could be anything horrible. I'm like, yeah. he's gonna, you know, maybe broken bone or hurt himself or you know, whatever. Yeah. And so I really didn't, I didn't think anybody needed to come. Honestly, I was like, it's not a big deal. It's fine. Which I think must have also been the Lord because I was in bed. 
I mean, I was getting, I was going to sleep. It was late. I mean, it was pretty late yeah. um, when I got the phone call and I got, Jay and I decided we're going down there and I saw Hope went down there and then my, our daughters went down and more family well, came Hope down. Well, lives right down the street. So I called her and said, Hey, Bobby's been in an accident in the driveway. You live five minutes from him. Can you go check it out? Cause I'm not going to, I'm going to go straight to the hospital. Yeah. Cause I, and so I sent Hope there and, and when Hope called me, she's like, this is bad. Like something bad's going on. So yeah. I think at that point I was like, man, I, it's still not understanding the whole situation. I didn't really. And we were in the waiting room. I think it's important for people to sort of set the scene. We were in the waiting room for a long time. Couple hours. Without couple. any word from anybody. Nothing. They just came to us, please go sit down. Please go sit down. Please go sit down. You know, is what they would tell us. Um, mm-hmm. And then when they finally did come in, I, they brought a chaplain and a social worker. And I'm yeah. just thinking, God, of all the people to bring in. Well, then you know something's wrong. Right. And I hadn't even seen him yet. So at this point, I don't, I don't, I just want to see him. I'm just like, can I just go back there? Because in my head, I'm also thinking if something happens and he dies, I wanted to see him before he passed away. That was my, also my thought is I don't, I don't want to be alone because I know hearing's the last thing to go. So I think that was an important thing too. And they just were like, you can't go, you can't go, you can't go, you can't go. And I, I I know that they're working on it, but still as a mom, you, you, you want to be there, you know, mm-hmm. even if they're working on them, you're like, I'm, you know, moms can fix everything kind of thing. So I think you just mm-hmm. have that kind of mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was probably the first thing going through my head. Yeah. So you get, so they come and they finally say, what do they say to you? Uh, they just said that Bobby's been severely injured. He's got, they said a DAI brain injury, which I had no idea. Which what. they wrote down on a napkin and yeah. I took a picture of it so I could Google, to it, Google because it because we'd never heard of that before ever. Yeah. So I didn't know anything about it. Um, and then they said that he had a spine injury, um, a C6, but they didn't say too much about it. I don't think they really knew yet. They just knew mm-hmm. it was a spine injury. He hadn't gone down for his MRIs or CT, so they just knew it. C6 was, out, was C6 damaged. was shattered. It was shattered. pretty much gone. Gone. So five was damaged, six is shattered, seven is damaged. So That's a devastating spinal injury. Yeah. And when I don't know when you walked in, if you noticed it, when I walked in, he looked crooked. Like mm-hmm. he was laying in the bed. Mm-hmm. He didn't look normal. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. not only is he hooked up to all these machines, but he didn't look, he lay, he looked broken. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't physically have any outward mm-hmm. damages, but he just, he looked broken. Yeah. And I think that's when I first was like, man, this, he should not, he, he doesn't lay like that. And, yeah. And he just, he was so peaceful kind of looking to me. That's also Mm -hmm. a sign of this is really bad because it's, he's not doing, you know, he wasn't fighting any machines or squirming. Yeah. The machines are breathing for him. Yeah. He's just, he's just laying there. He was just sleeping. Yeah. I think too, um, when they came in, because we'd all been waiting with you and then they asked to speak with you alone and we were all like, oh my goodness. And what did they say? They, after that, they said, you can come back to see him. We're going to do surgery. They just said, they really, you really had no prognosis at that point either. No, no prognosis. Yeah. They did say that, um, they said it was bad. They said they don't know. They don't know when they're going to surgery. They have to do surgery, brain surgery, spine surgery. They definitely have to do some things to him. But my big, I'm like, I've got an entire family sitting out here. And if, if Bobby's going to not make it, I want everybody to see him. So I was really adamant on getting everybody in there because I just, I feel like it's important that everybody gets to see him. Yeah. So I really tried to shuffle as many people in as we could just to get people in there um, just to see them because we, I, we just didn't know. Yeah. I mean, you, did, you don't know. And they didn't know. Yeah. They still don't know. Yeah. They still don't know, <laughs> they right? Still don't know. They still don't know. Yeah. So in the, in the hours that follow, we just, we hit our knees. I don't think I've ever cried so hard in my whole life. It, it's like shock sort of hits you and then they bring you water. And then I remember trying to get uh, a glass of water to Lexi and my hands were shaking so much. I couldn't hold, I had to put it down. I just, I think it's, you kind of go into shock. It's unimaginable. Yeah. You know, I can't, to be honest, it's hard for me to think back that far because you forget about it like anything traumatic. And I just, 
you just you're just in shock. You know, when when they said the family had to leave, and Robert and I went and followed him down for the MRI and and the CAT scan. He couldn't because of all the stuff that he was up to. They they couldn't. They had to manually pump him and get the. I mean, this is somebody that's not breathing, and they're they're taking these machines. It takes forty five minutes to do this. And you have to understand, I'm walking down the, all this tunnel, this like underground yeah. tunnel where they took us, with an ex husband that I haven't been talking to in a minute. Yeah. And when we did, it was never good. And here we are walking down this thing with our only son, facing the worst possible diagnosis that you could have. And you're speechless. I didn't know what to say to him. I didn't know what to say to Bobby. I didn't know what to say to myself. And I remember we sat down there. So it was just him and I down there. You know, it's midnight, one o'clock in the morning, maybe almost two o'clock by this time. And he's sitting on one side and I'm sitting on the other and just feeling nauseous. I mean, you just, you're, you're completely helpless. You, you, there, it wasn't like we could turn to each other because mm-hmm. we don't really, you don't have that connection, right. you know, and we're not, there wasn't a lot of support there in general. So right. it was just weird. You know, you just, you feel alone and you feel trapped and you, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it was kind mm-hmm. of a. I think being down in that room was that was surreal for me. I was just yeah. thinking, man, how in the world did I end up in this place? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I know that um, there's a lot of people that listen to this, and I'm sure that there are people right now who are who are in and maybe not in that exact situation, but they're in a devastating situation. They've lost a loved one, or they've gotten a diagnosis that they didn't expect, or maybe their husband just left them and they're in shock. And I think one of the things that this has brought made so real to me because whenever I would hear really stories like this, someone, you know, a friend's kid was in an accident or, you know, someone dies in a fire or whatever. And you just go, I couldn't imagine. Like, that's what I always say. Right. Right. You always say, I I couldn't imagine. And the thing, and this is, I'm interested to hear your perspective because, um, for me, as I'm walking through it, because my heart hurts not as much as yours because Bobby's your son, not mine, but my heart hurt for you. And I can't fix it for you, you know, because I love you so much and I love Bobby so much. But I, I will say that the grace of God, there is, there is a peace that passes understanding. It's like this, it's, it, it is, you can't understand it. And it is peace. It's like when you say, I could never understand, that's because you could never understand unless you're in that moment. You don't get the grace unless you're there. And I think uh, I saw that, that grace all over you because the, the prognosis wasn't good. Right. So he goes in for surgery and I mean, days pass and now he's in a coma and they're saying, okay, now we know his spine's been shattered at, at C6. And they said he's, he has quadriplegia at this point, right? They called him. I'm pretty sure he's in the medical notes that I took listening to the doctor said he has quadriplegia. And we were like, help us understand, you know, what well, does that his, mean? He was moving his, he would like lift an elbow and I'm like, I, I could have swore them that you don't move. And I'm not a doctor. So maybe mm-hmm. it means something. I mean, he was just. He was doing random things that they said were reflexive and not purposeful. So therefore, it didn't mean anything. They said he can be paralyzed and still move. And I just, you know, for me, not, I don't have anybody in my family that's paraplegic or quadriplegic or anything. So I didn't, I didn't understand it. Reflexive, mm-hmm. purposeful, didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking he's moving. So therefore, he can't be And you're literally paralyzed. living for every little movement. Everything. You Everything. live for a flutter of an eyelid. We were living for it. Lift your pinky. Tell us that yeah. you hear us. Any little thing. And Bobby would... You know, I'd come in and talk to him, and he would turn his head towards me. He wouldn't open his eyes or anything, but I'm like, dude, you can't tell me this kid doesn't know that his mother's sitting here next to him. And I mean, mm-hmm. I for a good six weeks solid, it was 24-7. I didn't leave the side of that kid's bed. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you know, when your mom's whispering, you're, you just can't tell me he didn't know that I was there. I mean, he mm-hmm. did know it. And you mm-hmm. could just see that he knew that. Now, the doctors come in, and they flash a flashlight in his eyes, and like, oh, he's a vegetable. And then they walk out. That actually, you should stop there for a second, because that literally happened. 
right? Doctors would no, come every in. Day. Every day they would come every in. Day. They would lift his eyelids, shine the light in his eyes, and they would just say, he's a vegetable, just like that, in that tone. Yeah, they would pinch his earlobes really hard, and they would run this sharp thing up his foot, and he wouldn't move. He wouldn't flinch, nothing. And they're like, nope, he's not, nothing. He's not ever going to be anything. He's never going to move. He's never going to walk. He's never going to talk. He's never... And the part of his brain that was damaged the most at the center is the personality part, who he is. And they're like, you're going to have to get to know a new kid. Yeah. And I, well, I remember them saying his thalamus is damaged beyond repair, the corpus callosum, right. damaged beyond repair. And you and I would just sit there and take in these words, damaged beyond repair. You know, that he'll, he'll never be the same. He won't be the same. Even if he does wake up. He's not going to be him. And yeah. so you also have to think about that. So let's say he survives and he comes back and, he, and he's not the Bobby that you knew before. Well, then that's, I have to get to know a whole nother son. Like yeah. that's a whole nother child. That means Bobby's died and another one is here. So then I had to wrap my brain around that. You know, what, what does that look like? What I think it's it interesting like? too in, I just, I feel as if we, we live, no, I don't feel as if we do. We live in a culture of death. I feel like we, we. Um, we base our opinions. And I, I've seen this in the medical world. I have tremendous respect for the doctors who work on Bobby and who do this kind of work. There, I can't. Now that's something I can't actually imagine. Um, but it seems to me, given this, the number of stories I've heard from people all around the country, I know you're hearing them now too, that we really do live in a culture of death. It's like we determine the, the worth of that person's life. So we're determining can what what kind of a relationship can I get from this person. What kind of love am I going to be able to receive? Are they going to be, you know, what's it going to look like for me? And pretty quickly with Bobby, the conversation turned to uh, how long are we going to let this go on? How right. long are you going to allow him? I remember hearing one of the doctors say, if it was me, I would start thinking uh, about how would my daughter want to live this way? Right. And you heard that over and over. Well, and I feel the same way. Do, do I want to be a vegetable for the rest of my No, I don't. I, no. I wouldn't want to live. And I wouldn't want Bobby to live like that. And if no. I honestly felt like he was going to live like that, I I would have pulled the cord. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, you know what? He's not, you're right. He's not fighting. He's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, there was a sense that he wasn't, I felt like he was fighting. Otherwise, because I don't, I don't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be like no, that. No, no one does. And no. so, and you know, I had to kind of think about that, but I feel like we live in a microwave society. Everything's an instant, the quick. I feel like 48 hours in, you're like, well, he's not doing good. You know, time to pull the bug and move on. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I looked at the doctors, I'm thinking, this isn't your kid. Did they do an amazing brain job? Yes. They took his skull out of his brain and they fixed it. And they, they fixed his C6 and they put a plate in there and, and they did amazing stuff. And, yeah. But once they did those surgeries, that was it. There was nothing else they could do but sit there and wait and see what Bobby would do. And I figured just so quickly into it, they were just like, you know, I wouldn't want my kid to be a vegetable. I'm like, I don't want to be a vegetable either. You know, if you think that I'm sitting here going, I'd like to have a vegetable for a son, you're confused. You know, yeah. Bobby's six foot tall football player, runs track and play. And he doesn't want to do that either. But I also see when I went into that room and he would turn his head, there's, there's, there's Bobby in there. There's something there. And Bobby, who has suffered for asthma his entire life, entire life, this kid has suffered and had always medical issues. You know, I used to tell him he was special and he'd hate it. And he's like, I don't want to be special anymore. I'm like, but you are. And he's like, now I don't want to be special. Now we right. are special. Yeah. And so they said the only thing that was wrong was his lungs. They're like, the only thing's keeping him alive in his lungs. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. This kid doesn't have good lungs. His lungs can't be keeping awake. So for me to hear them say his lungs are what's keeping him alive. I, I knew at that moment that he was fighting, that this kid was fighting and there. There was no way that I was going to turn it off if that's the one thing that's gone. Yeah. Just, you know, well, it, and I think at that point too, you know, we've had a, a little bit of time to think about this. And I remember, um, the question, the question of faith always comes in, you know, because the doctors did everything they could do. And at right. some point you have to say the doctors have done everything that they can do. And now all we can do 
is trust the Lord. And our family is a family of faith. And we, we said from the very beginning, I remember uh, we had a prayer meeting out on the out in the courtyard of the mm-hmm. hospital. And I kind of wondered how you were going to get get through that. Because I think when you're when you're going through trauma like that, I think everything becomes sort of a little bit of a blur. You know, there's so many things happening, at, coming at you. Right. And um, tell us a little bit, talk to me a little bit about what it, what, what did it mean to you when you realized people are praying for you? Did anything, like, you've never been in this situation before. No. How did it affect you? Uh, I think. In terms of your faith, just, so I had been up in that room all day, and I knew there was a bunch of people in there. Say, hey, you got to get down there. You got to get down there. Everybody's, you know, collecting. I think when I walked downstairs and I saw the amount of people there, and I was just like, man, you know, hundreds of people. Here's my kid that's super important to me, and you know, I, no doubt that I'm there. But to see all these other people, that, some that don't know and whatnot, and just firm believers, you know, everybody just saying, you know, God is going to take this kid. And I'm thinking upstairs. I just left a kid that's not moved. It's not done anything. Yeah. He's he is in a horrible state at that time he was in a really bad state and i just it was weird because i walked up to the front of those people and think just kind of a peace went over me you just and it was always reassuring that all those people were there you mm-hmm. know that i just you just you just kind of let it go and i had one i had a family camp and they said hey my son was in an accident like this and the sister said thy will be done she's like when i you know when i let it go when i gave it to god then i you know whether my brother was alive or walking or whatever she was i had to let it go so I felt like that was the day that I let it go. And I just was like, you know what? However Bobby turned out at that point, it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, whether he died or whether he lived or whatever, just the fact that we had done everything that we could collectively as people and, and letting it go and saying, hey, God, this is your chance to show us where you want Bobby to be. Mm-hmm. And, and it's suffering that kind of, I mean, this is what shows where your trust is. And right. we had lots of conversations about this. In the middle of suffering, it reveals who you trust. And either you either God is good or He isn't, and your life demonstrates it. And I I remember uh, at the I didn't get to go because I was packing I was packing to go speak in uh, Birmingham. But I watched live. I think you watched it too. The Facebook uh, thing where the uh, the students were praying out at Good Shepherd Church, mm-hmm. and Savannah got up there. Do you remember this? Yeah. Um, Savannah's our oldest daughter. Savannah got up there and she she started talking about God because we we're like, here's all these people. Like we have an opportunity to share about our faith. We're not going to waste it because God's the healer, right? It's at the end of the day, God is the one who determines uh, healing, and He's He is the healer. And Savannah said that the miracle—I loved this so much. She said the miracle happened in Bobby's life when he accepted the Lord as his Savior. That was the miracle right. when God softened his heart toward the message of the gospel. And and she said, now we're really what we're doing is we're asking God for a second miracle. Now we're asking Him for a bonus round. Right? Could you give Him back to us? Whole. Could you make him whole? Could you could you bring him back? And the the strength of those prayers and the the um, I just think the faith to be able to stand up and say, Lord, we trust you. And whether you take Bobby home or whether you let him live, we we're going to say that you're good because you are. And we have the only reason we have breath in our body is because God gives it to us in the first place. And I thought so powerful to watch all these people all of a sudden because you never asked for that. Right, I mean, there's 25,000 people that are following Bobby on his little on his little tiny Facebook page that I started one night, just thinking maybe our family and friends would like to follow his story. But it turned out to be an international phenomenon, and all these people who are literally just hanging, just like you were, right. on every flutter of his eyelid, on every. I remember uh, you posted a video, and you're like, he's like, he all he did was move his head to the side, and we 
cried and danced and praised and and hoot and holler and, and we were like because he wasn't there was nothing they were just like he's never going to do anything so every little thing that he did you was were a like, miracle oh, we're proving you wrong you're proving you wrong and we're proving you wrong and i really i think people sometimes really need to understand that you know bobby has turned out amazing i'll say that firsthand but even if it hadn't turned out the way that we wanted it it still would have been amazing just because the amount of people that it brought to this awareness and mm-hmm. including myself like i'm not the same person i was 10 weeks ago I, you never will be there's just no way you know, 10 weeks ago, I was climbing Mount Everest with a job and a house and a car and vacations and just doing everything I could on my own and feeling really good about it. Yeah. And I felt like I had reached the top and put that flag at the top of Mount Everest. And when I turned around to take a picture yeah. to represent what I had done, I fell to the bottom. Mm. And as I'm sitting at the bottom of that with Bobby, because yeah. that's where he was at, was at the bottom, yeah. you, it didn't matter. Nothing mattered anymore. Your entire life comes to a halt. You know, Bobby can accent didn't just affect Bobby. It affected all of us. Yeah. You know, it, it's, well, it it's, shows you what's important. It really, it really is. And it's, you know, spiritually, it's brought my kids a lot closer. My kids, now, I don't make them go to church. I never have. I've always been like, if you want to go, you go. Because I don't want to make you be there. I want you to be there because you want to be there. That's been a big deal that I've always Well, done and you know what? I mean, I say this on the podcast all the time. We can't give our kids what we don't have. And you can't make your children follow God. You can lead them. You can lead. You can give them a cool drink of water from the Word of God. You can show them. Right. But children, especially the children, the ages that our kids are at now, they have to make their own choices. Yeah. And so I'm always, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm going to church. You want to come? And my kids have never turned it down. Mm-hmm. They're always like, oh yeah, mom's going to church, including Bobby, you know, who didn't live with me. And he'd be like, when are you going? I'll meet you there. And just yeah. always, they've always been like that, but I've never been like, you have to go to church today. They've just, they've always, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be there. And if you want to be there, I'll save you a seat, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of thing, which has been huge. And this is just, you know, this has brought awareness to them. And these kids have just, it's just, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, outside of Bobby doing amazing things, my kids do amazing things as well on top of it. Does it make you, does it make, cause here's when I, when I talk to, to you and, you know, even our sisters and, and to your daughters and even my own daughters, I think one of the outcomes of this has been that we realize how dependent we are on prayer. The prayer really is powerful. Oh, like absolutely. when we began to pray, we literally saw God make a lame boy walk. Yeah, I, he absolutely. shouldn't be walking. Like no. every doctor that we have talked to said, "I don't know." Yeah, they're scratching their heads. It doesn't make. They any don't sense. know with it with a with a spinal injury and an, and a brain injury that's as bad as Bobby's right. was. I remember them saying, "This is the worst case scenario." both for a cervical spine injury and right. for a brain injury. Right. If you had one or the other, they were like, it wouldn't be so bad. But he's got both, so it's 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 bad. It's bad. And it's not going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to get better. And we began to just storm the gates of heaven on behalf of that boy. And many of the people listening to this podcast were doing that for Bobby. I mean, they're praying for a boy that they've never even met. Right. And we're literally every day watching. I remember you posting that video. He moved his head. We're like, oh, my goodness, he moved his head. Um, that when you went to another fundraiser, Jay and I got to sit up with him that day and I, I got to sort of watch him with you. And I remember you telling me, Bobby, like, you know, there's some songs he liked to sing. So we were singing Quando, Quando, Quando with, you know, on the, <laughs> on the guitar. We were singing, we started singing Veggie Tales to him because I know that kid you knows every Veggie Tale. Yeah. yeah. So we started singing Veggie Tales to him. And Jay was on the other side of the room and I was sitting next to Bobby, just kind of stroking his hair and talking to him and, uh, and using the suction on the drool on his mouth. Right. And, uh, when Jay started playing, um, I could have sworn that he moved his eyes in the direction of the of the sound. And I said, Jay, he's looking at you. And we were like, 
day was like, what? I go, no, he's looking. He really is. He's looking at you. And so I said, come over here so he doesn't have to move his eyes over there and see if he'll follow you. And sure enough, Jay comes to the end because his eyes were only open a slit. slit just, yeah, just the a little, little bit. The little tiniest. Mm-hmm. And they had kind of a foggy look yeah, to them. Yeah, because he's still in a vegetative state at that point. Yeah. So a foggy look. And so Jay began to walk around the edge of the bed. And sure enough, if Bobby didn't follow him, and we just started crying. We started singing songs that we knew that he would know. And he never took his eyes off Jay. Wherever that guitar was, he was watching. And then when Jay and I left, we came, I mean, we cried all the way home. And we were, and Jay said, Heidi, he said, God's going to heal him. He, he's not just going to, he's not just going to give us a little bit of Bobby back. Right. He's going to do something amazing. And that's what he's been doing. Well, and I think praying over specific things, we've been really adamant about, you know, pray for his brain and pray for his spine yeah. and pray for his right side. And being specific, I think makes, it makes a difference. Yeah. You know, Lexi did that, um, healing over him where she mm-hmm. would speak healing words over him mm-hmm. every day. And, you know, it was thanking God, you know, thanking yeah. that he's walking, thanking that he's talking, thanking he's back. And I remember one time we did it and Bobby's sitting there and his eyes opened up a little bit. He looked at Lex like she's crazy going, I'm not walking and talking like you say I'm doing. <laughs> you know, it was just really funny. But to hear those cons, like we never said a negative. When we made the decision to keep Bobby alive, yeah. it, from there was game on. It was yeah. like, okay, this is a choice we're making. And from here on out, no matter what happens, we're just going to give it 110% all yeah. the way to the end. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that you don't have a negative thought. It means you don't entertain You don't entertain thoughts. it. And, and I think people need to hear that. It's okay. If you're in a bad situation, it's okay to go, this is bad. Right. This is bad. It, it was bad. It still is bad. You know, yeah. there's still situations. And you can, you please believe that every night when I would get Bobby to bed and the lights would be down, I would bawl like a baby. Yeah. I mean, I would just, it's devastating. My yeah. life is, is, was, crushed. Well, I remember like at that, that point you saying that your life was forfeit, that if you could give your life for your son, you would have. Well, I would and have been I, a heartbeat. And what a picture of God's love for us. What a picture. Yeah. Really. And I told you this before, and I'll, I'll try to do it. Uh, I'll try to say it again without crying, because to me, the change that I saw was after the second um, the second uh, doctor's round meeting, table. where the round table, there's 15 people in a room, right? And they brought palliative care. And as soon as they brought palliative care in, I was just like, all right. They're bringing the end-of-life care people in here. Right. This is bad. Social workers and, you know, we were, we were grasping at straws. We were asking for any, you know, well, you saw, tell us about the MRI. You just took a new one. And what, what did we hear? We heard, we found, well, we found even more damage. Yeah, we were hoping damage. that we would hear, oh, the second MRI. We've Looked seen, a little better. Yeah. Something. Yep. Yeah, but instead it was actually there's more damage. And I remember that was the time that uh, the doctor at the end of the table said, if this was my daughter, I would be considering how long I would want them to stay in the state. And it hadn't been that long at this point. It had been, you know, what, two weeks, maybe. Two weeks, probably two weeks. And I remember we went, because we'd prayed over that meeting. We were like, Lord, we're expecting a miracle for this meeting. We're, we're, God's going to, we're going to see a new MRI. We're going to show, you know, no broken bone or whatever. And instead, nothing but bad news. No, it was awful. And we didn't say much. You didn't say hardly anything. There wasn't anything to say because we had already made the decision. No matter what the MRI said, we already made a decision. Bobby's going to live, and when we're going to we're going to keep pushing forward. And to me, I'm I'm sitting at the table going, I'm this is my son is a 17 year old son that we're talking about, not yours. You go home to your kids and you have a great time and you do dinner or whatever and and you go to bed at night. I don't. I sit in this room with this kid that's not moving. Yeah. His managers are not getting better, and all I can think about is that's my boy laying there, and he's going to get. Well, and they better. were talking about moving him to uh, an assi- a like a nursing facility, skilled nursing and right. all this. And I, and um, we, Jay and I had been with a doctor the weekend before and they were like, do not do that. He'll die. 
don't move him to a skilled nursing facility. He's not, he, he can't. When I told him that, that's I'm like, I said, this do. is my seven-year-old, so I'm not putting him in with a, a in bunch a of elderly home. people. There's, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's so interesting, though, Heather, because when we went, walked back to the elevator, and none of us are really saying anything at that point because there, there was nothing to say. Because we're devastated. Again, so it was like starting over It was again. starting over, and Laurel and Lexi in the room with Bobby, and they're waiting for us, and they're waiting for good news, which we thought we were going to give them. And we went in there, and they're both like, what? well, what did they say? And We just all start bawling. We just all start crying again. And I will never forget this as long as I live. I think this will be the thing that I carry with me. Um, we always had music going, you know, in there. And uh, that the song, uh, I Will Be Done, I can't remember who sings it right now. I, but uh, it came on Spotify, and I thought, Heather's going to take that phone and throw it across the room. Like, I really was waiting <laughs> for you just to throw that phone out the window. And instead... You picked up the song, you picked up the phone, and you put it up near, near Bobby's, Bobby's head. Yeah, up near his ear where you could hear it. And then you just put your head down on him and started singing. And I watched you. Tears dripping down your face onto those tubes, onto your son, and just saying, I will be done. And I think that was the moment. You were, it was like an Isaac, it was an Abraham and Isaac moment for you. And you were laying down your Isaac in that moment. And I was over you. I, put, I don't know if you remember, you maybe don't, but I put my hands on you and I just started going, Jesus, please. Like, mercy. We're begging for mercy. In that moment, did you feel, when you were crying out to the Lord, were you just like, was that your, like, I give up moment? Were you like, Lord, I, I don't know what else to do? Yeah, I, I definitely think that was it. I was done. You know, I, I definitely expected to come out of that meeting with something great. I thought, oh, we got to leave these people rallying around us. You know, nothing, they can't possibly say anything worse. He's already got the worst brain injury. can't get worse. And yeah. it could. And I didn't, yeah. didn't, I didn't expect that. Yeah. But I think I love that song. Absolutely love that song. And, you know, when I'm singing it to him and bawling at the same time and just loving on my son, because it didn't matter. At that point, it didn't matter. I didn't care what the x-ray said. I didn't care what the doctor said. You know, it was not in my hands. No. There was nothing I could do. The only thing I do was love that kid yeah. and pray yeah. for whatever outcome that he get, that it'd be the right outcome. Yeah. And know? I think we, we hung on to, and we talked about Romans 8, where he said, I work all things together for good. Those who love me and are called according to my purpose. And you, when that, when that happens to you, you will learn it in a different way. So, so we, so it wasn't long after that, right? When he started doing little things, little, little things, he, he would actually move his toe and they'd come in and I'd be like, Hey, he's moving his toe. And they're like, ah, it's reflexive. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He, he's moving his yeah. toe. Like I'm telling you to, and it, everything, nothing comes out of a brain injury quickly. Nothing. Right. Everything no. is slow. Um, but to me it was, you know, it was every little bit, you know, and then you get to the point where you're like. Okay, I want this kid in rehab. I want him to push. I want him to go. You know, I, I think he can do it. They're like, no, I can't. We're going to send him. We're going to put him in a nursing home, see how he does, and then we'll bring him back. I'm like, he's well, not leaving this place. Every time that you got a no, we began to pray for a yes. Specifically. A specific yes. So so the prayer was, I remember getting on Facebook from wherever I was, because I'm always traveling somewhere, and just saying, hey, Bobby's got this test today. We really need to pray for the specific thing. And just following the principles in God's word where he says, cry out to me. God is the healer. He is called in the Bible Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He has the ability to heal. And so we began to call out to him for those specific things, little things. And one by one, you started seeing answers to those prayers, miraculous, crazy answers to prayer. I think also being thankful at the same time, because I think it's real easy to be like, 
you know, praying, please, please, please do this, do this, do this, do this, instead of seeing the fact that he was alive mm-hmm. and he was doing little things. And mm-hmm. so I think it was hard at the beginning because, you know, my kids are always like, you know, oh, we want to pray for this and for that. I'm like, I said, oh, we need to be thankful on top yeah, of that because yeah. I think giving thanks is huge in what comes afterwards. Yeah. You know, so. Well, that's a biblical principle, right? And I mean, the, the Bible says to come into his courts with what? With praise. praise. We're supposed to come into his courts with thanksgiving, and then we make our petitions known to God. And I think that God honors the praise of a, of a woman who is suffering and struggling and can't understand and can't see her way through the fog, but just say, Lord, I thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're here. We found things to praise God for. I watched you do it. I watched your kids do it. I'm finding things to praise God for in the middle of all that. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Which, you know, and sometimes it's hard because you're thinking, you know, why am I praising him? My son's been in a traumatic car incident. But really the fact that I got to see Bobby alive again, you know, even though he wasn't responsive to me at that time, just the fact that he was, you just knew he was alive and you knew that if something were to happen and he were not to live, that you had been able to love on him yeah. and tell him it was going to be okay and be there with him. I just think that's, I think if he would have died instantly, I would have been, it would have been harder on me, mm-hmm. honestly, than if I would have sat there and loved on him and then had him pass then. So. Yeah. I think I was just happy that I was able to be there. Yeah. You and know, yeah. Just, I mean, that just that made a difference to yeah. me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast forward. Is there someone we could talk about this forever? And his story is not over yet. Bobby's got a long, a long road ahead of him. But the fact of the matter is he's blown every diagnosis out, out, of, the of, water, the water, out of the water. Completely out of the water. I mean, okay, so they said... Uh, if he wakes up, he, he won't be who he was. Is he who he was? He's definitely who he is. He's definitely body. Uh, you know, the first thing he, when we told him he's in a car accident, the first thing he asked is, is the other person okay? That is Bobby. He's mm-hmm. always worried about somebody else. He's, he would always put other people first. He's just super sweet kid like that. And so that I'm like, I'm like, you know, that's, 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 yeah. that's Bobby. So you, you knew, you, you knew, you, I knew right away. Yeah. I knew right away. I loved that he recognized me. I wasn't sure, you know, I was like, Hey, no, you know, he really, and he does, know, he recognizes everyone. And I think I, the hearing, I think is a big part of it. I think he recognizes voices. I think yeah. faces for him sometimes are so confusing. I think with people, when he hears them, then he's like, Oh, wait a minute. I know who that person is. Yeah. So I think that was a big thing. Cause I always told everybody, go in and talk to him. I said, I don't care if he's uh-huh. not awake. He's not responding. Talk, 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 mm-hmm, talk. Mm-hmm. You know, he hears you. And still, even now that he's awake, He's now considered officially awake. I still at night whisper in his ear and just love on him and kiss mm-hmm. him and hug him and just, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing I would have done before when he was awake, you know, just to let him know that it doesn't change. Just because right. you get a little better doesn't mean that you don't love him anymore. You know, right. it's, it's still, the nights are still as hard when you go to sleep because you, you want to make, it's almost like you're in a dream and you want to wake up and hope that he's still doing as good mm-hmm. as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's in rehab, full rehab, almost eight hours a day. I mean, it's incredible mm-hmm. the amount of pushing that they do for this kid. But he walks on a kid, not like you and I walk on a treadmill, but he can take a step and kind of drag his right side. His right side yeah. is still um, got quite a bit of paralysis in it, but uh-huh. he's working better on it. Mm-hmm. He's now brushing his teeth with his right hand, struggling with it, but can do it. And we're really trying to remind him that the right side needs to wake up. Yeah. The brain has to tell it to go. So he has to think. Yeah. Lift your leg. Lift your hand. You know, yeah. move it, you know, so it doesn't stay bound up against mm-hmm. his chest. Relax mm-hmm. your arm, those mm-hmm. kind of things. You know, mm-hmm. when he washes his hair, I'm like, put your right hand up there. Like it wants to wash your hair, you know, mm-hmm. give it a purpose mm-hmm. and a little better. Um, his throat is definitely paralyzed. His vocal cords are. So they gave him a collagen injection uh, a couple weeks ago now, and it's helped him, but it's a temporary fix. As the collagen right. dissipates, then he goes back to not being able to eat or speak or swallow, mm-hmm. which are three really important things to do. So he has a G-tube in that will continue to stay in until we figure out if the paralysis is going to stay or if it's going to come back because it may come back. It's nerve damage, and they say sometimes it does come back. When mm-hmm. they did the test and they, they went down his nose and his throat and, and touched it, it didn't 
nothing. And you know, when somebody touches, you, you gag. gag. Yeah, right. And he, he doesn't have a gag reflex. Nothing. He yeah. can't protect his airway. So um, the, that is a big prayer that we're working on. You know, mm-hmm. the, the good thing is, is that in today's society, they've got all sorts of things and they've got a prosthesis for that as well. That they get, it looks like a little Lego and they can put it in his, in, his, in his neck and it'll be permanent for the rest of his life. It'll stay in a closed position to allow him to open and close the right side so he can speak and, and eat. Cause he's 17. He wants, you know, he wants to eat. He, you know, he wants, he wants a hamburger. He does. He's a kid. <laughs> you know, he wants to eat and do great things. Um, I think the emotional part for him is starting to catch up now. He did comment the other day. He's like, nobody's, no girl's going to want a boy in a wheelchair. Oh, uh, that hurts. You know, that, 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 that sucks. I didn't Well, and it's not true. Ask Johnny yeah. Erickson. Right. Well, and I know it's not true, but at yeah. 17, when your yeah. friends are coming in and out and you, that's a reality to him. Yeah. And do we want him out of the wheelchair? Absolutely. Do I, can I guarantee he's going to be out of it? No, I can't. Is he going to be able to do little steps, I think, and transfer to the toilet on his own or into his bed? I think, yeah, I think that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Is he running a marathon? I don't know. Yeah. But I told him it, the wheelchair is neither here nor there, you know, to me. But I'm not 17 either. And I'm not a boy who just was running track and playing football and playing basketball. Right. So, you know, those kind of things. So well, I and think, I think you're learning too, as a mother, how very little control we really have over oh. what happens to our kids. Like we, we have very little control over, you know, we love and nurture and carry these babies inside of us and we'll lay down our lives for them. And really they belong to the Lord. And I think Bobby's learning. I think he's going to, he's teaching us right? right, what it means to lean in and trust the Lord. And God's going to meet him in those places, you know, and, and yeah, I, I don't, think, I, his story's not over yet. No, I don't think it's over. And I definitely think that he'll rally around it. I just think he's, at this point, he's kind of hit another yeah. bump in the road. It hurts. Yeah. When he's becoming more aware of a situation, right. more aware of his surroundings, more aware of this right side is not really working. Mm-hmm. And it can then, be frustrating. And then he goes along the lines of, I don't want to be that special kid. And I'm like, because I always tell me he's a special kid. He's like, that's not the person I want to be. And I'm like, well, it's, it's an okay thing. So uh, the fortunate thing is his sisters are a huge part of his life and they are there every day at the hospital with me. You know, they come from work and they go there and they spend the night and they, it's huge support. It's been big for him. Mm-hmm. And he laughs. It's yeah. fun to see him laugh. He I thought his, uh, I thought his Instagram was hilarious. The very first Instagram that he ever did. And he said, he just said, I'm alive. Yeah. I laughed so hard. I'm like, <laughs> oh my word, that's totally him with his right. crazy little sarcasm. Yeah. So, I mean, just, you know, things like that. It's fun to see that. It's fun to see the kids all get together and, and interact and do things and, you know, to Bobby sees it as a disability, and I don't really see it that way. I, I you know, I, it, it's a bonus for us. It's brought us, it's brought me aware on ADA things, you know, when I go into places and I'm looking at how to get them in places and out of places. So it's also know, made it's, you more aware of other people's suffering. Sure. It, 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 what I told the kids the other day, I said, the world is so broken. Yeah. Broken, maybe not in a accident way, but maybe in a divorce way or maybe in, you know, a sibling argument way or, or whatever. You know, it's, it's maybe broken. North Korea is trying to aim a nuclear bomb right. at you, you, know, you know, that kind of way, you yeah. know, it could be political. It's just, it's just broken. Yeah. It's broken. And there's so many hurt people out there. And it, I just, you know, I, people ask me, they're like, I don't know how you're doing it. And I'm like, I don't either. The only thing I know is that if it wasn't for God in prayer, I wouldn't be here. That's right. You know, I would have given up a long time ago, yeah. but you know, every night I'm thankful mm-hmm. that my kids are here and that I'm here. And is my life unfortunate right now? Yeah. Is, is my home life not the best? And I still got to work and function and take care of my kids and get them off to school and stuff. Yeah, sir. It doesn't stop. The world continues. But I wouldn't take it back for anything. And I wouldn't even go back to before the accident. You know, if I could go back and do this again, I wouldn't. I think this is making my kids stronger. I think it's making me stronger. I think it's making Bobby stronger. I think it's making their dad, mm-hmm. you know, 
mm-hmm. look at things a little bit differently, which is, that's a big deal. It is. Well, God's using it yeah. because he uses everything. You know, we were always, I wrote, I just wrote about this and you and I, you know, grew up in the same house. And so I wrote about a lot of the struggles that I had growing up and the, and that God says in the Psalms that he doesn't waste a tear, that he collects our tears in a bottle, that he loves us. And this image of God loving us so much and, you know, and realizing we are, um, we are always, you know, the enemy, the devil hates human flesh because, because God is like a father. He loves us. He loves his kids. Well, if you really want to hurt a father or you really want to hurt a mother, who do you hurt? Your kids. Your kids. Yeah. Right. And the enemy is going to go after the souls of men. And I'm always telling people on the podcast, you know, listen, we got it. We got to keep our eye on the ball here because the enemy wants us fighting with each other. He wants us distracted. He wants us defeated. He wants us not to realize that this world that we live in is a blip in time. We're here for just a little bit of time. And I think one of the things that God has given our family as a result of what has happened with Bobby is the gift of perspective. I think a gift of perspective and a renewed thankfulness for every breath. Right. That Absolutely. God gives us and you don't want to waste it. All of a sudden you're just like, oh, that thing that I thought was so important is not important. Not that and, important. And I think peace for sure. Like people always in there like, you know, if I couldn't make, I'd be so mad. I'm not, I'm not honestly not mad at all. Yeah. I, I, am I upset and hurt? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, well, cause it's upsetting and hurtful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I'm not mad about it. And I, you know, it's, it's okay. And it's going to be okay. And, and I, I know it's going to be okay. And so I just, mm-hmm. you know, I keep just trucking along, you know, you do what you do. I always tell people kryptonite to me is if anything ever happened to my children, I've always said that, you know, yeah. I've been super close with my kids always. Like and every mom, that's yeah, every mom's kryptonite. Yeah. You're like, if anything has my kids, that's it. I, I don't think I'd handle it. I used to tell people, you know, God only gives you what you can handle. And I'm really good at saying that to people. Yeah. But when it comes back to me, it's not the same. <laughs> I'm like, oh. wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. That's not what I meant. Cause yeah. I'm thinking, I don't, this isn't something I can handle, but yet I am. And and so I just, and it's the grace. It's it grace. really is. It's, yeah. it's the grace of God. And honestly, without all the prayers, I'm a firm believer in the power of numbers in prayers. And yeah. you get enough people to rally around something. And no matter what Bobby's outcome, I want people to really understand that whether he would have passed away or not, mm-hmm. still, it would have been a miracle. And yeah. there's, you know, Bobby's a miracle, no matter what would have happened. And as much as I would, I, you know, I never want to see my son pass away at all, but I'm, I would have been okay with it. Yeah. You know, and I, I felt like after that, that last meeting and I just let go. I'm like, you know, whatever happens, it's okay because that's what's supposed to happen because I know that everything's written already and I'm just living through it. You know, I can't change it. I'm not, I'm not making changes here. I'm just living it. And I just happen to be the one to be able to get this. Yeah. And, and Heather, I mean, I got to say it's been for me just to watch you walk through this with you. Um, Just the blessing has been for me to see God use you in such, I mean, you didn't ask for this. Like nobody ever, no one ever says, I think I'll pencil a crisis in for Thursday, right? (laughs) Yeah. We don't do that. Major car accident today. Yeah. I think I'll I'll have a major car accident. But to see what God's done in your life and what he's continuing to do in the lives of your kids, it really is a miracle. Like that is the miracle. And we said that that night on the lawn, like that is the miracle. We're watching the physical miracle is a bonus, right? We're watching an emotional and spiritual miracle unfold. Absolutely. Before our eyes. And I think um, before we go today, I want to just really quickly touch on something else because these, these are questions that I get all the time. And I know uh, you're getting them now too. Um, what do you say? What do you say? So the mom is listening to this today and she's brokenhearted for whatever reason. And, and she's going, I don't know how I'm going to breathe. I don't know how I'm going to get through because we have no guarantees, right? We know that the Lord uh, 
the Lord is the one that we trust. There's a verse in the Psalms that says, uh, some might trust in horses and some might trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord. And I sometimes will, when I'm talking in, to audiences, if it's homeschooling audiences or wherever it is, I'll say, some might trust in homeschooling, you know, but we don't. We trust in the name of the Lord. Some might trust in modern medicine. Some might trust in a, in, a, in a prognosis or a diagnosis, but we don't as the children of God. We trust. Our trust has to be in him. We have to give it all to him. How do you do that? Like how do you how do you practice how have you guys been practically fleshing that out? I think the biggest thing is is to let it go. I think if I would fight it, yeah. fight the decisions, fight to you know, to what's going on, I, I think I think you have to let it go. And I think you can't let it go till you're okay with it. Mm. And I came to a point where I was okay. And when you're okay with it, then letting it go is not as hard. And I do think that's that when when we have those conversations, because you and I grew up together. We've we've had many you know many scenarios. Well, when we're in junior high, I was like, well, can you imagine? I could never imagine if so and so ever broke up with me. That would be right. the most terrible thing ever, right? Right. And you have these worst case scenarios in your mind, but when a real life worst case scenario happens to you, it really is peace that passes understanding. Yeah, it, and it comes from God. Absolutely, absolutely. If, if you're not at peace with it, then you're not really letting it go. Because if I wasn't at peace, then I wouldn't have been able to let it go. But I was. I was there. And, and I just, I like I said, I people don't see me cry. I cry a ton, trust me, you know, in my own time. Because when you do let it go and you give it up, then you know that it's out of your hands. And you let, you know, God's taking it over there. And it's it's I don't, it's not even, I wouldn't even say tears of sadness. It's just it's just being okay with it. Yeah. And it's okay. So I, I've had a lot of people reach out to me. Trust me, I've had horrible situations. I, I think worse than my own sometimes. And mm-hmm. I think, man, how can things get worse than that? And I, I definitely think when you are okay with the situation that you've been given and you pray and you're like, Hey, I'm, you know, this is way bigger than me. Cause this situation was so much bigger than me. Oh, I, yeah. I, you have to just trust the Lord. You have no choice. Exactly. I don't yeah. have any, Bobby's not where he's at because of me. No. Bobby and God were the two that were working together on this. You know, I'm a bystander. Yeah. I'm sitting by the sidelines just going. You're a hey, sobbing, messy bystander, yeah, exactly. but you're a bystander. I'm a mess, but I'm a bystander, <laughs> yeah. and I'm letting those two work it out. And so whatever the situation is, you know, when you feel okay about it, when you're to that point where you're like, you know what, you're right. I, I have no control over it. When you, when you let go of control and try to control the situation, I think that's where you get. And one other, okay. one other burning question. Um, I always think this is interesting. From your perspective, so because the majority of the people who are listening to this are never going to, they're never going to get that phone call. Right. Um, what can, what has been the most helpful for you? Like of all of the, cause we've, we've received hundreds, if not thousands of messages and I mean, goodness, letters in the mail and, um, what can a person who's listening, let's say there's someone listening and they have a friend who's suffering, there's something that to them is unimaginable. What are a couple of things that they can do to sort of meet that friend where they are? Um, I, to me, having Everybody around me all the time was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So for me, I did better on my own, kind mm-hmm. of like I didn't leave Bobby's room very often. It was hard for me to leave. I, I didn't, as a mom, you don't want to leave, right. you know? So I think having a support team outside that can manage all of that was a big deal for me. Yeah. It wasn't that we didn't love it and didn't and, and didn't want it. I did. But for me, every time I walked out there, I was just, I was a mess. Well, it was. I think what I heard from you was you kept thinking, I'm going to leave the room. He's going to wake up. Right. It's I mean, that was what it was. You're really, going to it was miss like, something. You're going to miss something. Yeah. 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 So having people help you and being able to rally outside it and understanding. I had a ton of people that were so understanding that I mean, they would come in for hours and sit in the lobby, never see me or my yeah. son, and they would leave, and that was awesome. Like I can't tell you. To me, that was huge. The that people would spend their time. They would drop their kids off 
on their way to work and pick them up after work, and their kids would sit. And in they were doing prayer vigils in the all, in the all I mean all around day, the clock every day. You, that was huge. You could that was priceless, absolutely priceless. You know the the, the amount of the effort that people would come and would rally was, it was incredible. And then I think to myself, man, how often do I do that? You know, then it makes me think about my own thing. And this was in a situation where I hear a car accident or something. I'm like, how can I help? You know, how can I, you know, be some kind of support? Cause you know, I don't have the answers besides prayer. Obviously I feel like mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing, but just the amount of people and from a distance they're doing it from all over the, it was, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got letters from all over the world. I mean, it was, it was yeah. incredible. And I think tangibly, uh, food cards for Hello. the kids because yeah. the kids, you know, I still got three kids that I have to feed and take care of and I don't have to worry about them. And so I'd give them, a, you know, a Starbucks card or, or a Subway or whatever, mm-hmm. McDonald's. And then I'd be like, here, take your card and go. And I wouldn't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. That was huge. Yeah. That was, a, that yeah. was a really, in the beginning, that was a really big help. Yeah. You know, and yeah. people, you know, helping out with, with the kids. Cause you can't, I had one mother call me and she's like, how do you deal with your other children? I've got the one in the hospital. I've got the other one home and I try not to, you know, tear my time apart. Fortunately, my kids are able to be in the room with us a lot. Yeah. But Larissa had her 15th birthday, you know, a couple weeks into this, which was a big birthday. We were going to do great things. And, and that we, you know, we had a birthday party here and we just, yeah. I just made sure that they knew that it, no matter what kid it would have been, the love would have been the same. Yeah. And you just, you just love them as much as you can. And they knew, they knew that it was tragic and we were having a hard time, but to keep that focus, not just on the one, especially when you've got multiple. So I think that was another thing that was important. Well, and I think too, I mean, just, I, I do think. The biggest things were that that rally, that prayer support that was so tangible. I mean, you feel it. You wouldn't when the presence of God is is with you. I mean, there were times it was so tangible that you um, it was in the air. Yeah, like the spirit was just in the air, and I think that's what keeps you breathing. It really does. That's, that's what, what keeps, you, keeps you going. Because yeah. when you can't, when I felt like I couldn't pray anymore because I was exhausted and tired, and I had been up for twenty four, forty eight hours, and I'm like, I just can't. You knew that people were doing it for you, yeah. so it was okay. That was a big deal. Yeah, you know when. When you can't do any more and someone else is carrying the load for you, it was huge. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was a big deal. And I think, too, I mean, I've always, we, you know, I'm, I've always been huge believers in prayer. This has made me even more. Right. Like, the problems that we're facing in this country right now, I'm just letting people pray. You cannot, we cannot pray enough. No. For what's going on in the country and what's going on in the world. And specifically pray. Specifically yeah, praying. I think, yeah. I, I mean, think, hey, let's maybe stop picking on the president and pray for him. Yeah. What if we start praying for our leaders? Yeah. You know, I'm telling myself that about the governor of Oregon. I'm like, okay, Heidi, pray for, pray for the governor of Oregon. Like maybe instead of being angry, just go, Lord, you're bigger than this. You can actually handle it. Yeah. Well, and I, because you, there, it's out of your control. It is. So what's the one thing you can do? Yeah. Is you you can can pray. pray. So, you know, I mean, I've got situations in my life where there's nothing, I know I can't do anything about it. Do I want to personally go up to somebody and be like, Hey, your life's a total mess up and I'd like to help you. But instead I don't. And I pray for that person. Yep. You know? You know, whatever it is. And I, and I pray, I've really, really gotten to the point of praying specifically. I don't think I used to pray so specifically. It used to just be like, no, you know, we just pray. But now it's like I, I pray for specific things that are really important and what's going on. I, and my kids are doing that now, which is big. Yeah, it so is big. It is big. Well, some might trust in horses, Heather, and some might trust in chariots, or some might trust in a trauma surgeon or a hospital or a life light, but we don't. No. We trust in the name of the Lord. Thank you for coming on the show. No, of course. I'm glad I could share Bobby's story, and I'm sure we'll share it again. And he's doing amazing. He's an amazing kid. He's doing great things, and he'll continue to. You know, we'll just, you know, every day is a new day. He's yeah. got a, he, he's got a long road ahead. There's no doubt. And we will still have hills and valleys. There's no doubt about that. But we also know that we don't have any control over it. So when it comes to those specific things, we just, you know, we get on our knees 
we and give we, it up. We give it up, and we trust that God's going to work it out for and, his And we're good. okay. And we're and okay we're with okay. giving it up. We don't, you know, yeah, I don't fight it. Yeah. Oh, I love you, Heather. I love you, too. Pretty fun to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. First podcast. Woo-hoo. First podcast. We did it. <laughs> it's good. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. I know that this podcast is longer than they normally are. I want to remind you that I am in the pre-order season right now for Becoming MomStrong. And so we just have a few more days left to pre-order the book and claim your free gift when you do that. I am super excited about starting MomStrong groups around the country and around the world. We already have over 60 applications. If you are interested in becoming a MomStrong leader in your area and just talking to the women in your life about what's happening in the world around you from a biblical uh, perspective, I'm going to link back to you in the show notes today that a group leader application. We are going through those. I just want to find out a little bit more about you, and then we're going to be opening up um, a a private Facebook team, and we're going to be taking you through the steps to becoming a MomStrong group leader. So I hope you guys will apply for that today. Also, I'm on day four of our brand new scripture writing challenge, and we're talking about what it means to become more like Jesus. And kind of a lot of what my sister and I have been talking about today, um, everything that we do in this life is a process. It's a part of becoming, and God wants us to become more like him. And one of the ways we do that is by uh, being in his word every single day. So it's free. Head on over to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash scripture writing. You can jump in anytime you want to. If you haven't read your Bible in 15 years, it's okay. All right. You can, you can, you can start today. So I hope you guys will be blessed and encouraged by that. I hope you've been encouraged by what uh, my sister has been talking about today. I know most of you are on Facebook. You can follow Bobby's story at Miracles for Bobby Asa on Facebook. And he also has a blog. What's the blog, Heather? Do you know the title of it? I will link back to it in the show notes today so you can go ahead, um, hop on over and find that. And we just covet your prayers, your continued prayers uh, for Bobby's continued healing. Uh, We are believing God uh, that he's always, ever, only good and that we're going to see good things continue to come out of this. And for those of you who are struggling, I just want to encourage you again back to the feet of Jesus. He loves you. He cares about you. He collects our tears in a bottle and he sees our suffering and our sorrow. Jesus understands suffering because he suffered himself. So trust him, put your, put your hope and your prayers in the hands of a God who loves you. And then do what my sister said, learn to leave it there. God can be trusted. He's good. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you're having a fantastic Labor Day. And I will see you back here on Wednesday. My friend Sheila Gregoire and I are going to be talking about sex. You do not want to miss this. Trust me. It's going to be awesome. I'll see you back here on Wednesday.